0: Welcome to another episode of Real Freedom Podcast, where we talk about building time and financial freedom through opportunities in real estate. And today, I'm so excited to have Patrick Grimes on. And we're going to start by saying, first time dad, four days old as of the time of this recording and so we're excited that he's taking time out to continue with his his commitments from before, mm-hmm, despite yeah. having a, a baby boy. <laughs> Patrick is the CEO and founder of Invest on Main Street uh, with holdings that include general partner ownership of multifamily real estate portfolio valued over $500 million, including 3,000 plus units. You've been an active real estate investor since 2007 on the Forbes Real Estate Council. You author thought leadership articles and contribute to expert panels for Forbes on investing in commercial real estate, and also co-authored number one uh, Amazon best-selling book, Persistence, Pivots, and Game Changers, Turning Challenges into Opportunities. You have a BS degree in mechanical engineering and an MBA and a master of science in engineering. Welcome, to the podcast. We're so excited to have you talk about real estate.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a topic near and dear to my heart. Uh, getting freedom through real estate, because it's been a bit of my journey since I started as a snot nosed engineer in machine design automation and robotics. And now I'm a snot-nosed real estate investor. All right, <laughs> I, I have I just I now I have a son that's a snot-nosed real estate. <laughs> yeah. So it's really exciting to be on this show. And I appreciate you having.
0: Awesome. So yeah, talk about that. I mean, there's so many people that come from outside of real estate. They're looking for something to be able to you know, most likely passively get into real estate on the side, maybe eventually make that transition. But kind of talk about being in the engineering field and and what was it about real estate and what were you looking to accomplish by, by getting into real estate?
1: Well, I got... So when I started out of college at a machine design firm, the owner there said, hey, you're a sharp kid, but you shouldn't put all your bets in high tech. The ebbs and flows, it's a high risk space. It's a lot of fun and cognitive rewarding, but you should invest as much as you can and as early as you can into real estate. And I took that to heart, actually, and I dumped everything I had into a pre development single family residential and then lost it all because this was 2006 and seven, And they raked me over the coals and I had personally guaranteed and learned a lot of really hard lessons up front um, that kind of paved the way for. How to build a low-risk real estate portfolio that cash flows and is recession resilient. And and that's what took me from single family up to multifamily.
0: Interestingly enough, yeah, that you you had that loss because so many people think, when I invest in multifamily, it's always going to make money. It's always going to appreciate. It's going to cash flow or the cash flow is going to get better. You've learned that lesson. And I think that probably speaks to your strategy here. In a shifting market right now and and looking to diversify your portfolio because you experienced the pain of what what happened early on.
1: Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, now that I look at deals, I look at a kind of very different lens, right? And I also look at portfolio diversification too. I mean, if you read my passive investor guide, it talks about needing to be diversified into alternative assets, which is multifamily. It's also business equities and and other alt assets. Such as energy, which we're also in as well. And I think it's important for everybody not to hang their hat all in one spot, right? But to get into... To various investments, so your total portfolio has a lower risk.
0: So walk through the the growth. I know you had mentioned that you know the challenges in in single family and moving to multifamily. But for for people that are maybe in a spot where it's like I've I've got a few properties, um, I'm looking to scale. I don't really know how to do that. How do I bring in investors and kind of that that launch phase of getting your portfolio off and running? Talk about how how that worked for you.
1: On the multifamily side, well, I, I had kind of a leg up because I had been doing automation and robotics, which led me to a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that were dumping millions of dollars with me into much higher risk investments, right? Doing mm-hmm. one-of-a-kind machinery for satellites and solar cells, EV vehicles, rockets, medical devices, that kind of stuff. So you know, I, when I got into it, I was like, hey, look, I want to go into these larger apartments instead of the single-family stuff. I had a number of guys that was like, yeah, let me know what you're doing. And and so when I, it took me about two and a half years to transition between the two is my in fact when I met my wife was when I realized I couldn't trade my my time anymore for my family, friends and hobbies and moonlight real estate because I needed to marry my wife. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I married her in Beijing in California. So that was successful. And then after that, I said, we're trading up the multifamily. And she goes, what's that? And then we started diving in, it took me about two and a half years of just Analyzing, learning, um, really getting into the nitty gritty—a little analysis paralysis there. Is kind of the engineer for me, and I come from you know a background where I'm very risk-averse for good, good reasons. Mm-hmm. So, and then I, I was able to find numerous partners. Some worked out, some didn't. And then finally, we found an opportunity with a great partner, and we dove into it. And I went from a portfolio of, of three-bedroom, two-bath single-family homes uh, to 86 units on my first multifamily deal. Uh, and then after that one, it was a matter of time before we found the second and then third happened kind of in parallel. And then it was off from there.
0: So when you're thinking about, you know, let's just start with the 86 unit. Um, in terms of location, what what were you looking for? You know, we we want to make sure that we're doing a great job for our investors because if we help them make money, they're going to want to plow it back into more properties with you. So kind of talk about finding that first deal or maybe the first couple. What were you focusing on in finding a deal, location, price point, any certain metrics, that sort of thing?
1: Well, so there's in any asset class, there's ways to do things where you can potentially make a really high return. And then there's ways to do things that are safer, that will give you a more predictable return, um, even in a down economy. And so uh, other than slide it all stack on green, green 24 and spin the wheel again, I wanted to look at markets, regions, locations that fared well in past recessions, right? Ones that had diversified employment and recession resilient markets and recession resilient industries. Uh, And I wanted to find which areas uh, within those are growth growing because you want to ride a a rising tide. You don't want to be fighting a declining market. And that tends to be uh, places that are legislative friendly and low cost to live because they attract businesses and low cost to live attracts people. And you marry those two with landlord friendly locations that allow you to continue to collect rents and evict bad residents and, and uh, allow you to renovate and drive rents up and they don't have rent control, um, and which allows us the freedom to build a cleaner, safer, improved living experience for our residents and these, these properties. Then you found yourself a good place to set up shop. And if it's a business, then it's about the numbers. It's about the analysis, but you can't forget that it's also about residents. And a lot of the times we'll get into these deals and they're kind of run down. And they've neglected the residents, and they lost their building. And we get in there and we make it a better place, while returning great returns to our investors. And I think that win-win, which I think makes a sustainable company last through a recession.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, talk about you know a lot of syndicators and and larger multifamily folks. It's the value add opportunity, we're gonna come in, we're gonna pump money in, we're gonna increase the rents, we're gonna increase the quality of the units. Um, a very key piece of that is good property management. Um, so talk through your process of, you know, maybe you're in a new market that you haven't been before, you're looking to establish relationships for property managers what are you looking for um, in terms of of finding that person that you're going to link arms with and say, Hey, I trust you with this asset to go make it better so that we can um, so that we can make money off of it.
1: It's interesting. So starting out, I was very much about the larger property management firms because I learned a lot from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a lot of high powered people that had been in the industry for 20 years and, uh, that could help us bring in partners, contractors, uh, teach us uh, metrics and things like that. It wasn't until COVID that I kind of flipped the script on that. And I realized that the properties that were outsourced uh, to property managers struggled. And that was because the property managers had a hard time keeping their people. They weren't paying them very much, just just enough. And they were relying on training and replacing them frequently, not long-term loyalty. And investing in their people. Uh, they're in large, large, uh, large property managers, oftentimes they're a commodity. And it turns out that those leasing agents and those maintenance guys are controlling multi-million dollar investments. And they're the lowest paid people in the business. And so it really is a people business, whether it's your property managers, your residents, or your investors. And so ever since then, I've been a bigger fan of vertically integrated property management. Because through COVID on the properties where we were vertically integrated, we were able to knock on the doors, hear the tenant's story, understand why they're not paying rent, help them fill out the renter assistantship, and then find the ones that wouldn't talk to us and found the ones that were just scheming the system. And we're able to figure out which ones were worth sticking with and which ones weren't on the, on the other side. And when you were able to control all the way down to the tenant experience, you're going to have a better, happier tenant that's going to pay you and work with you to get paid, whether it's through themselves or through government assistantship. And many of the investments we're finding that are distressed, like ones that have 19% bad debt, 19% of people not paying. Those are people that treated their residents as, as a commodity, treated their local. Uh, in fact, we brought back some of the old leasing agents that they had turned through. Um, and uh, so that's kind of what we look for, I'd say. I and mean, that helps to give a little bit of an explanation.
0: That's good to hear, because for somebody looking to do this and looking to scale, obviously you have to succeed through great people. And if you're in markets where you don't live, places that you're not familiar with, states all the way across the United States, um, you know, in your case, uh, you you have to to find find great people. And like you said, their their performance controls multi million dollar assets. And so mm-hmm. if you have somebody that's not doing a great job. That has a, a huge impact on the returns that you can have.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and when you pour your heart and soul into you know somebody in the business,es you want them to stick with you. But if you have third party property management, you're pouring your heart and soul into somebody that that property manager is going to promote to somebody else's property, <laughs> and leave you hanging. Uh, anyways, so that's been it. Not that we haven't had a good experience with our third party properties, our third party property management necessarily but I believe it to be more powerful if you take the time as a private equity firm to learn a different business and align that uh, core value set. With
0: so talk about you know your your company, Invest on Main Street. Would, did that get started right out of the gate with your first property? Or did that idea come along as you were looking to grow?
1: Well, when I first did my uh, original uh, pre-development single family and got raked over the coals, that was me. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back into it doing low risk and lower risk investments in growth markets like, like Houston, Texas, doing single family buy distress and renovate out of I was doing it from California. That was still me. Mm-hmm. I still wanted that control. And I still wanted to own it. it wasn't until I realized that you could straight up to lower risk assets. And I have articles in Forbes that talk about how the single family approach of rentals as an outsized risk associated both legally and, and financially with that model. And the gurus don't talk about it. And, I would, and I'd be happy to share those articles and both asset protection and accelerated retirement. We can return on equity and you're in a much better place uh, in all of those aspects in larger multifamily. And so I realized I needed to partner, I needed to trade up. And when I did that, I needed to bring on other investors. I couldn't just use my own money all the time. And I did. I do 1031 uh, into larger multifamily, and I have an I have an article in Forbes on how to 1031 into multifamily, and a guide on my website. If there's a landlord dealing with tenants, toilets, and trash wants to trade into a multifamily deal, uh, you can come in that way. But I built the company around an educational platform, truly really to partner with others, but to educate the individuals that I have a passion for, you know single family landlord slaving away, or busy professionals like I used to be and fighting their way through trying to escape retirement, but not investing into alternative investments. That's not their fault. They just weren't uh, they just weren't exposed. And providing investments not just in multifamily, but we also have investments in energy. Lower risk profile energy deals, diversified portfolios that give crazy tax advantages. No debt that don't ride the curve of interest rates that are actually increasing in value while real estate's declining in value. And the diversified portfolio isn't something you can just create overnight. You can't be experts in everything. And so we decided to start offering those kinds of investments through our platform. And uh, we have some other ones coming. In the in the new year which we're excited about
0: so real quick before we kind of pop over to the the energy side for a little bit when you're looking at potential deals locations you kind of touched on what are you looking for from a a city standpoint a general location a state standpoint but what are you looking for 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 an individual property are you working through, Boots on the ground brokers. You're obviously been around long enough. You've built some great relationships. But for people looking for great deals, how, how do you find those?
1: So for the most part, uh the business of the syndication space is saturated. And the quote value add phrase shows up on every broker package. Mm-hmm. So it when some of these used to describe everything, then it's meaningless, right? And um, to say you're doing value-add deals or deals that you're going to buy, distress, and renovate and prove is almost cliche because everybody's saying they do it. Every broker says that's what they have. And to your point, the reality is most of the investments that people hear about or the, per- the, the properties for sale are there's like 20 or 40 people clamoring paying to the highest bidder to get those. Uh, so pretty much all of our properties have come uh, from off market pocket listings from brokers, uh, lenders, or even insurance agents that have made a connection. We've closed on them quickly, oftentimes with our own capital or through a family office partner, and then backfilled it with the syndication. And we close on them quickly to get the biggest discount we can, just like we found this asset a operator that a 14% not collected rent and a building burned down. We got a five and a quarter million discount on that guy, but we closed real fast in, in Atlanta too, which is right near downtown, 15 minutes. But uh, th- those are the kind of assets we're looking for. Somebody, somebody's having a bad day. They're struggling. They need out. They don't want to make, uh, they need to get out quickly uh, and we can move quick and we can lock it up and then we can offer it to our investors.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've definitely got to a, a scalable size now where you you can be able to pull those things off really quickly and and so kudos to you for for being able to do right by investors and and build and grow that to a portfolio size that you have. So, yeah, let's let's transition and talk a little bit about the energy space. So, you know, because you came from a period where, you know, you you had a tough time in the market with the last recession because we're we're in a spot where there's a, a lot of people in the space right now and yeah, you're looking for alternative investments for people talk about that transition to energy. Well,
1: I wouldn't call it transition to energy. I more just came Edition out. But of, by the it, way, I am I am diversified. You yes. know, my my passive investor guide sh- talks about how the middle class, high, uh, high income, and ultra wealthy have respectively seven percent, twenty five percent, and fifty percent of their wealth in business equities, alternative assets, and real estate. Not just real estate, right? And for the most part, the America is uneducated in these areas. Why? Because we don't value that financial education. High-tech professionals that are brilliant, some of the sharpest people I've worked with, at Tesla, Lockheed, J&J, like some of the, it's really incredible. But all they know about is their 401k. Or maybe they're lucky enough to graduate to an IRA through their employer or a financial planner. Uh, unfortunately, all of these, uh, or maybe they're day trading stocks on the side and maybe dabble in crypto, but those are not sustainable retirement solutions. But all of these that I just listed are correlated assets to the stock market, and uh, and they they're slaving away. They really don't have time to then invest in real estate, or maybe they're the few select few which have broken away and done it and given it a shot. Well, I'm going to share that. And you know, I can happy to share with your listeners that if they're doing it themselves, then they're trading time away from their family, friends and hobby. So kind of the graduate school version is to try and do it yourself. But then the Ph.D. is do it passively through syndications. But now you're in two verticals where real estate, whether it's single family, multi self storage, mobile home park, assisted living, all that stuff, Airbnb, it's all one vertical. And that, quote, diversification that they think they have between the stock market and real estate really is one correlated asset in real estate and a highly volatile solution in the stock market that won't produce a retirement. And from somebody that has seen a market crash in 2009 and 10 and lost it all, as I mentioned, I believe in diversification. It happens to be that my family actually collects royalties and oil. and it, But most of my investors... They're lucky enough to even get into real estate. How could they possibly find any other assets, which are totally different than real estate, non correlated than real estate, so that they follow different market trends? And how do they, and none of them essentially have the knowledge, the network, or the resources to find those and take those down? So turn to, actually it actually turns out that me and my buddies, we trade these, <laughs> these opportunities and with a small network of people that know about them. Even my securities attorney has invested in this energy deal before I even learned about it. And I brought it to him and, and we, so we decided to start taking uh, some of these inner, these investments, which have even better tax advantages than real estate, come off your ordinary income, 75% of it, crazy tax advantages, uh, great passive income, uh, two to three year exit multiples, similar to, structure to real estate, but different market cycles. And then offer it as a diversification play, not to find lower risk deals than real estate, but to find a lower risk diversified portfolio through diversification and non-correlated assets. And we know that they're not fraudulent. They have a track record, you know, 30 year, third generation, long standing firms and properties that are investments that we are invested into. So those are hard to find. And our journey now is to kind of make good on instead of me just tell everybody, you need to go be diversified. (laughs) me to say, well, like, and vehicles for you to get
0: there. So now you have additional offerings for your investors where hey you can you can choose make a couple of choices and yeah depending where they're at in their life, it's not all my eggs are in the real estate basket and whether it's just diversified through like you said mobile homes, single family, multi-family. now it truly is another opportunity for diversification. And so you take a defensive approach and a, a protective approach as well um, to your portfolio.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we have other ones coming up and it's taken years to get to the point where we launched alternative assets. Well, it turns out multifamily and real estate is an alternative asset. So the real perspective is real estate never really was the end game. Real estate is one of other alt assets. Right, and there are others, and we're gonna we're we're bringing more and more of those on, and structuring those way those those specific opportunities that we feel comfortable. I'm a very risk averse guy, so it's very difficult for me to get on on board with things. Like I said, it took me two and a half years to warm up to one specific niche of multifamily value add real estate, uh, and so I'm getting there now with uh, some other assets that I can then offer. You can set up a call, and I'd be happy to chat with you.
0: What's been the feedback from your investors? Now having these additional opportunities.
1: Well, the last the last find was overwhelming. Pretty mm-hmm. much everybody resonates with the fact that holy, you know, you're right. I'm in all these real estate products, and I'm not in anything else. In fact, right, I was the guy who wrote an article in Forbes that said multifamily is the best hedge against inflation. Well, I still believe that to be true over the long haul, but right now, everybody from Goldman Stats, Sachs, Chase. Elon, even Warren Buffett just bought a $12 billion stake in oil and gas. Robert Kiyosaki just in March bought oil and gas, a rich dad, poor dad guy in Texas and North Dakota. And this cycle in real estate, and at this cycle in energy, energy is a better hedge against inflation. The future is bright, cash flows going up, valuations are going up. Where in real estate, interest rates are going up, cash flows going down and valuations are waning. That doesn't mean our multifamily deals won't do well. They have been built to do well through these recessions. But in this market cycle, energy is the right time. to It's the right time to invest in energy. You know, we can get into it, but OPEC dialing back 2 million barrels a of data force energy up, Russia misbehaving, EU pulling out of natural gas. I mean, we all want sustainable energy to be the end game. But if you look at the graphs, it's not going to happen in our lifetime. We're making progress, but right now, it takes 800 barrels of oil to make a Tesla, and 38% of the electricity comes from natural gas. Elon is saying we have to increase natural gas and oil drilling here in the United States, why? Because his business is powered by it. And it's important for us to just kind of let that sink in <laughs> a minute, but in the horizon of this fund, we can do it and we can do it in a greener way. we have a whole video on how we do it in a safer, greener way. And we can do it in a way that supports our national security and has incredible returns. And so that's that's kind of like the the two cent, the two minute like little intro to that.
0: You know, it's it's great to talk about, you know, obviously talking about real estate. That's why we've got the podcast. But what I also like highlighting too is it opens up opportunities to do other things outside of real estate. And in your case, it's, you're looking out for your investors. You're looking out for how can we best help help serve them in, in more of a holistic approach um, and obviously help them make money in the same time. Cause if, if, if it didn't make money, they wouldn't be, they'd be mm-hmm. less excited to be investing in it. And so you're taking another angle of, Hey, I've done a great job building great relationships with investors over time. And how can we accent that? And so it's it's fun to have conversations with people doing things outside of real estate as well. That's the freedom that you earn, right? Through um, through what yep. you've built so far um, is true. building a good reputation to be able to do these other things and have investors trust you because you've done a great job with their money.
1: You know, it's so funny you say that because to bring it back to the title of your show, when I left engineering and I was, I mean, I I went back in engineering during COVID and I did, I did COVID assembly test kits. Automated assembly test kits for some large medical device, and I was trying to be part of the solution. My wife and I were living in Hawaii at the time. I was literally red eyeing out <laughs> to to come out and look at these automated systems for COVID. But after COVID, I I did walk away from engineering, and even in a part time role. And it was that freedom to do that, which allowed for the time for me to to really launch, invest on mean free alternative assets. And there you go, man. There it is.
0: Awesome. Well, Patrick, for people that want to learn more about you, and obviously you're a brilliant person. Um, so how can they uh, reach out to you and connect?
1: So investonmainstreet.com, invest main and then street, all spelled out.com. We have offerings at the top of the page there and multifamily and energy. Uh, my number is two... Uh, sorry, my uh, my email is patrick at investonmainstreet.com, patrick C-K-P-A-T-R-I-C-K at investonmainstreet.com. And if you're interested, uh, I do have a book out that made an Amazon number one bestseller. And it was a really fun project I did with some really cool people. It's persistence, pivots, and game changers, turning challenges into opportunities. And there's the guys that I did it with and gals. Here I am with a wig on. I'm just kidding, guys. I I did have hair before I had my baby baby boy four days ago, but... Anyways, but there's some really cool people on here. Uh, Russell Gay from the Real Estate Guys, Phil Collins, lead guitarist at Def Leppard, NFL, NBA uh, uh, coaches, players. Really fun project about how my whole story is in here on the journey between high tech and real estate, losing it all, coming back, trading up. And it tells a lot of good stuff. I really believe in this content. If you would like a copy of this book, I'm actually giving it away for free. You go to investonmainstreet.com slash book. And what's the
0: promo code? Uh, freedom.
1: Freedom. Okay. Invest on slash book and use the promo code freedom. And we'll actually ship you a signed hard copy of this guy. I really believe in the stories and I hope it inspires you and adds to your journey.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for coming on and best of luck to you in the future um, with your, your business, um, your investors, and also your your baby boy. So congratulations on that.
1: Thanks so much, Mike.